Today on our show, Ewan McGregor puts a wig on his wig, and Officer Winnie Lopez dots some T's and crosses some I's. It's ABTV Fargo, and we're talking Season 3, Episode 4, The Narrow Escape Problem. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. There we go. Uh, Time to just write. Little, little whimsical, little magical. Welcome to the story, people. <laughs> and welcome back to ABTV Fargo, your one-stop shop for these three specific people talking about this specific season of television. Yeah. I am, as I was right, last week, shots. Lex Michael. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I am here as always with I'm Dave Child. You can find me at MR Dave Child on all the internets. Also, DaveChild.com. My name is Dave Child. Who are you? Wow. My name is Tara Erickson. You guys can find me on YouTube. Search me there. Also, you can find me on Twitter, at the Tara Erickson. And uh, you can Google and stuff, too. Whatever you want to do. Google us. Stay true to your core. Find us. As always, hello to everybody in the live chat who is joining us live. You can follow along in the hashtag using hashtag ABTVFargo. And, of course, go on to iTunes. You can like, subscribe, rate us five stars. That one's super important, not just because I literally need those five-star reviews to continue to breathe, but because it lets uh, lets our producers know how we're doing, how you like it, uh, incentivizes them to not turn all the lights off in the middle of a show one day. Yes. Don't... don't fire us. Yeah. We, people are going to do five stars on iTunes today. Yeah, and make sure, please, if you like the show, please review and star us because the first season was not us yeah, we weren't talking here for that. about this. We weren't. We weren't here. And there's some people that didn't like those people so much. So if you like this current season that's not and last our, season. That's not our commentary, by the way. That's not I don't, our, our I commentary. don't even know who was here before I got here. But uh, if you can, yeah. if you can like us and talk about how great we are. It'll be great, and it would really help us out. Yes, and if you leave us a five-star review, we will read it on the show. And who doesn't like hearing their words on a podcast? I know I do. That's why I'm sitting here. So, all right. Episode four, we're back now in Fargo. Uh, Gloria has returned from her little jaunt to Mm -hmm. Los Angeles. And we're starting to see, this felt to me like the end of act one of this season. Right off the top, as always, just wanted to get general thoughts from both of you on this episode. Right. I thought this was this episode was um, maybe the weakest we've seen this this season. I still liked it, but I did feel like it had a sense of uh, exposition. It mm-hmm. was a needed exposition uh, episode, especially since we had that kind of um, we visited LA in the last episode, and I really liked that tangent that we went on. And I think that was important. But coming back, it, it, this felt like, okay, we're catching up. We're making sure we hit all the spots we kind of knew we were going to hit. And I enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed putting Peter and the Wolf on top of this. I think that smoothed the exposition out a bit. But uh, besides that, it was a little bit of a... It was more of an exposition-heavy episode. Less of a surprise and character-building one. Okay. I really enjoyed when Winnie came along because Winnie yes. is allowed yeah. against Miss... Like, it's a woman duo now, right? Where we've got Winnie and Gloria, and Gloria is invisible, and Winnie is definitely not and super loud. So I feel point. like they are going to be the best duo. Also, Winnie might mess up a few things. Like, it's like, shh, 
relax, Winnie, because you're like a little nutty. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to leave a note on her car. You met her five seconds ago. Like, I just thought that was weird in the bathroom, like the note on her car about her license plate. But anyhow, I'm super excited about that woman duo relationship. Right. And that, that, yeah. I'm like, yes. Yeah, I was not anticipating Gloria finding an ally Me in neither. this way. Especially because we've talked about on the entire series so far, it seems like the way we put it is you're either the very best cop that there is mm-hmm. or you're the very worst cop yeah. that there is. Yeah. And I like that Winnie seems to exist in this gray area where maybe personally she's a little a little loud, a little she just throws a lot of personal information at you immediately. Mm-hmm. You can tell that makes Gloria a little uncomfortable. But when it comes to doing the actual police work, she's she's on it. Yeah. yeah. She's doing it efficiently and she's actually looking at these these bits of information and going, Well, this this seems odd. Yeah, it was a great I I do have to go back a little bit on what I said before because her <laughs> her she was the best part of the episode because we saw her really get into she we really did think that she was that clunky um cop uh through most of it. And then when she does put the piece together and shows up on Gloria's door, I think that was really a surprise. And that was a nice little, like, oh, she's one of the good cops. I think in the Fargo-verse, I think the best cops are the women cops. (laughs) That does, that does. uh, Except for last season. Yeah, if you're not Patrick Wilson. Yeah, Patrick Wilson and and Lady Cops. And Lady Cops. So I Hmm. do want to talk about the top of this episode. We're going to save our discussion about the particulars of the Peter and the Wolf story for predictions. Mm -hmm. Because if as we discussed before we went live, if the events of this series mirror the events of Peter and the Wolf much at all... It's a bit of a foreshadow. What happens in that story may tip what's coming in, in certain episodes. So we'll we'll save that particular discussion for a little bit later in the show. Yeah. But we have to at least address up top that we open with this narration from Billy Bob Thornton. It is Billy Bob yeah. Thornton, right? It's, it's interesting because all of... They don't credit Billy Bob Thornton on the IMDb. He's uncredited for it. But everyone is recognizing him, and all of the reviews for the show are like, if I'm not mistaken, it is Billy Bob Thornton. But everyone's like, we're pretty sure. I'm pretty positive that that's Billy Bob, who, yeah. of course, of course, uh, was Lauren Malvo in season one. And, yeah. of course, having the disembodied voice of your, your Lucifer-esque villain from season one telling this, this play over your current season characters, that already it puts the hairs on end a little bit. Yeah. Right. I agree. And then so we we are telling the story of this episode through the prism of Peter and the Wolf. And what I thought was super interesting about this before we even get to the particulars of that story is it goes back to Noah Hawley talking about this season wanting to really blow up this idea of a story and different perspectives on stories. And I love that in a season where we're dealing with that idea very heavily, we now, four episodes in are treating it even more like a play of sorts. We're treating this quote-unquote true story, but with heavier emphasis on story than true now, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. a little bit of a a whimsical play. Yeah. Yeah, and I I thought it was good. I think it's a good way of also separating each episode um, because uh, I think it's a good way of separating each episode since uh, we're getting getting comments. I think that's the... uh, I think that's the booth that we hear in the in the headphones. Oh, are we getting a little? I think a little we're hitting a bit of interference in the headphones, and I think it might be the booth. So, um, anyways, what were we talking about? We were talking about <laughs> yes, it's a good way of separating each episode because um, when we have when we when we have a story that is like arcing and each episode building and building and building, 
it's good to get a feeling of just the TV episode that stands on its own. And I think that I think that that's what the Peter and Wolf really does in this one. It just makes it it introduces a new thing, much like in the last one, the um, the going to L.A., but also the the whole book and going into the book was great. Yeah, I just liked how it gave everyone a pretty clear label. Uh, just like right to the bat, you're like, oh yeah, that all of that makes sense. Well, and mm-hmm. even without knowing the Peter and the Wolf story, right? Just the the labels that everybody got. The fact that okay, so Emmett is the bird will be depicted by the flute. Mm-hmm. Ray is the duck will be depicted by the oboe. And of course, if Emmett is the bird, that, of course that makes Ray the duck. The duck. Just right. pure surface level. Yeah. Uh, the clarinet is the cat, and that's Nikki. The grandfather is Sai, and that's the bassoon. Mm-hmm. The blast of the shot, the blast of the shotguns, which is the kettle drums is Yuri, the French horns is the wolf, and that's Varga, and of course Peter, depicted by the strings, is Gloria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into the specifics of that once again in predictions. Because again, when you, when you know how all of these characters in the Peter and the Wolf story interrelate with each other, you start to go, hmm. Mm, I feel like they're telling us what's going to happen in this season. And we could be wrong, but it's something that we want to say for, for predictions in case you don't want to know that. You can turn off us at that point. Also, in that, in that, really quick with VM Vargo when he's like barfing, when he's like chowing oh, down yeah. his breakfast meal, and then he goes to barf it up, and he lays the piece of paper on the ground. That's like a little callback to Bart and Fink, because yeah. there's the same character, and I never seen that. Well, it's I'm sure it's happened before in other movies, but I hadn't seen it before where someone actually lies, like they they go to barf up meals and they bring like something with them to lay on the right. ground. Where I'm like, you're barfing up a meal three times a day. Like, why do you care about? Anyhow, I, I thought it was a nice like little wink to it. Right, and it becomes yeah. like a ritual. Where yeah, they're, like, it's setting like it a down. thing where like he he's not going to be able to barf unless he sets that down. Yeah. It's funny, I had forgotten about the connection to Barton Fink there. That What that reminded me of immediately was, again, like a couple of things this season have was Breaking Bad. Right. Because you yes. see both Gus and then later Walt do that exact same thing. And that's the first time I remember, because I guess it slipped out of my brain as part of Barton Fink, yeah. really seeing that, that laying, very delicate laying uh-huh. out of the towel, the preparing to, to purge, as it were. Yeah, yeah um, uh, I do have to give a shout out to Lindy May in our chat, who said, Gus puked the same way from Breaking Bad before you mentioned that. Oh, hey. okay, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, we hey, didn't, hey. we're not stealing from you. He's not even seeing the chat, yeah. so are, good job. We are simpatico, yeah. Yeah. you and I. <laughs> so, okay, so as always, Ray and Nikki are in the middle of a scheme. Right. And this it's a new scheme. This scheme involves a little bit of a little bit of parent trap action, as yeah. it were, and Ray shaves off his mustache and puts on a wig to impersonate his brother. <laughs> yeah. I like this because one of the things that I find funny about this show is how unconvincing um Emmett's hair is. I feel like it's not it's not the best wig that they have. You mean on the the meta level, right? The wig that the actor Ewan McGregor is yeah, wearing. Yeah, the the wig the actor uses. And I think that's maybe them leaning towards maybe they're like hair plugs, maybe it's meant to be like too perfect or something. It's just not a very convincing wig to me. So when uh, when Ray puts on a wig that looks very fake, to me it does kind of look the same. It kind of has the <laughs> same feeling to it. So I thought maybe that was kind of a nod. They know how bad that wig looks. and They kind of are playing with it. Right, and I love that even when he's in disguise, it, it's actually not, if you're not looking too closely, yeah. it's mm-hmm. not the worst disguise. Yeah, because it looks like he's just gained some weight. Right, he does yeah. look definitely a little blow. If you saw Emmett yesterday, right. you yeah. might be concerned for his health at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and I did, I did. there's a really good, on FX.com, you can watch a 
um, featurette about them getting into the costumes for both Emmett and Ray. And Ray has a broader nose and kind of a more of a chin, yep. like has a double chin kind of going on that they put on um, that they put on Ewan McGregor. So he is like a little fatter and has and has a different type of nose. So there is a difference between them. And it was also fun to just see Ewan McGregor play Ewan McGregor in another role. Right. It's, yeah. You've got the actor playing a character who is acting the role of another character that that same actor also plays. Right. Exactly. And there's still some differences. I also thought it during his conversation with that bank manager that... Emmett's character would not have been as nice to the woman who was entering the bank, who is like, who is about, who's being yelled at a lot. He's like, no, 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 no. Where it's like, yeah. Emmett would not have said no, no. no. He would have just all. been like, yeah, go away from me. Let me have my space. Like, mm-hmm. he would have, uh, but uh, he still let a little bit of Rayism sneak in there, which I enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. And I just like, the, and the bank manager being like, oh, she's more of a looker than a thinker. Right. Which is <laughs> just, just one that's such a, shitty thing to say just yeah. in general but also her like she's she's good looking but like in not that the midwestern typical, way yeah not the typical of what we would yeah. be used to seeing with that being said and I'm glad they didn't cast like a bimbo to be called to be said such a sexist thing to right it's just a normal looking woman because he's like that with everybody yeah I'm he's sure. just completely sexist with yeah. everyone <laughs> there were there were a couple of exchanges that left a similar taste in my mouth tonight yeah. like Ray talking to his boss as well there were a couple of lines where I was like Eesh. Mm-hmm. especially because Ray's boss and we'll get to that a little bit uh, in greater depth in a few minutes but like the fact that Ray's boss was ostensibly trying to hold the moral high ground and was still like the term I don't know about you guys the term poontang always makes me cringe <laughs> like involuntarily every yeah. single time that I hear it yeah. it doesn't bother me so much because I like the the movie Pootie Tang so it just reminds me of Pootie Tang and then I'm okay it's that extra syllable that really like lightens that load for yeah. me yeah, yeah. it's a yeah. little the, the little, little t. y in there yeah yeah so <laughs> the t- yucks so this 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 scheme of <laughs> I was just I was just gonna whistle past it. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be an Easter egg for people. Uh, it'll um, keep happening. So, so Ray and Nikki's scheme involves using the safety deposit box information yeah. that she got from Emmett's house and getting what they believe to be the stamp out of that safety deposit box. Mm-hmm. And I do like that. You know, Nikki puts this idea in his head that the the most powerful man in the room is the richest man. Yeah. In the room. Yes. That's yeah. what I had written down. Yeah, yeah. And you see this moment where it's like, well, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get what I want. He's in the keys, like trying to follow protocol. We got to make a new key because we don't want to drill into the box. And then watching Ray in character basically double down on this bluff by saying, no, okay, well then let's we'll just close out all my accounts and I'm going to take it over to Chase. And I like when he says Chase. Chase was such a shot yeah. to the heart for uh, me. The bank manager's uh, face. Laughs. Oh like he said God. something really unkind about his mother almost, but like was wounded by it. <laughs> yeah. Did we see if that was like a local Fargo bank or a local bank to the city? I'm pretty sure it was. I believe it would have been. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember so specifically the name of the bank. Talking about Chase feels like it, it is like, I'm going to take it to the corporate. I'm One of the big chain yeah. banks. I'm going to take it to the Walmart of banks rather than this mom and pop bank that you got going on. At that moment, I was real glad that I don't I didn't bank with Chase because I was like, well, yeah. I don't, don't want to be the, you know. Right. With that crowd. Yeah, like Don't if you be. bank with Chase, did last night's Fargo make right. you insecure? Really like, him? Yeah, I that's, what, that's what I would have felt. Although, that whatever bank that was, we probably don't know what bank that is because they come off very <laughs> insecure. I mean, 
I have a very similar looking brother uh, myself who's just three years older than me. So now I know if he shaves off his beard, he could just go in. <laughs> and, and puts his and take, hair on? Yeah, well, we have very similar hair, too. He doesn't have to do much. He really just has to shave the beard. And then we're pretty much the same person. Hey, hey. Because, and that's the thing. It really, his whole, the gambit here really does depend on this very Minnesota nice concept of, oh, well, I, yeah, I recognize you, and it's okay. I trust you. And, like, I don't, I don't want there to be any hard feelings. And, like, no, you don't have to do that. Let's just, let's just get it all worked out. All he had to do at any point, I'm sure it's protocol even if you recognize the person to get an ID or a card of some kind and they're just that trusting right yeah because the second he hands over an ID I mean he would have had to try and bluff his way out of that situation like he eventually did right yeah. but also he's like he's so rich and he's probably the biggest one of the biggest clients that they have is they want to be like we know this person this right. is we're set and that kind of hubris is kind of their takedown and yeah. ultimately, as we see, that bluff pays off. They drill through the lock, yeah. and Ray gets access to this deposit box, yeah. which does not have a stamp in it. Does not. It no has stamp. a big bag of dog ashes. Big cremains. cremains. Cremains, I believe, is the appropriate nomenclature, which <sighs> is... Which is a reference to Big Lebowski. Yes. Oh, I yeah. believe they say that almost exact line. I forgot. In Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. The, the line, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Walter says to the dude. I think the dude refers to somebody as a Chinaman. And Walter says, and, and it's like digresses, like hard digression in the middle of one of his rants. And he says, yeah. and by the way, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. nomenclature. Asian American, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think maybe, I, don't, I couldn't remember if cremains was actually said in that too, because they are dealing with cremains. Oh, and ashes do play a fairly prominent role in one of the later scenes in that movie. Right. Yeah. And I like that the bag, it's a very nice... Uh, uh, green velvet, looks green like. Green velvet yeah. bag, yeah. says Laverne on uh-huh. it. Laverne. Oh. Laverne. And Such then, a lovely name for anyone. And how did he not know what that was? As soon as you open it and it's a big bag of dust, he's just I like... I kind of thought maybe he hit it. I know, I know, right? Like, you're like, that looks it. like ashes right off the bat. Like, it's definitely not cocaine, no, right? And I guess, uh, you're a parole officer. Come on now. Maybe it's heroin, because that's a little brown. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, come on. But that seems like a stretch. Yeah, I agree. Just smell it. I mean, it, it doesn't he did smell t- good. He tasted, he tasted it. it. And then he just dumped Looks it out it, in the yeah. trash, and he's just—he's rifling through it. And Kay. then I'm like, "Hey, maybe, maybe he did hide a stamp in the ashes." There right. was just something so sad about this it because was. it's because Poor guy. A, Ray is that dumb, and uh-huh. and B, Ray is also that desperate to get one over on his brother that he will actually dig through this bag. Even if you don't recognize that you're digging through cremains, but after the third or fourth second of your hand being at the bottom of the bag, sifting yeah. through it, right. you've got to assume there's nothing else in there, right? Right. I would think. Oh, yeah. he's desperate. But he also decided, to, I'm still going to take this bag. He I'm took the bag. the bag so he can yeah. put the money into took it. Took the bag and then, yes, $10,000, which mm-hmm. he's slightly chastised by Nikki for not taking more. <laughs> Yeah, and, and he Ray's says like, it's fair market price for the stamp. Yeah, which in his brain, I could see how that's an argument. Maybe. Right. right. Yeah. Question mark. Right. So it it was enough. It's funny how Ray keeps hitting these moments where he's like, "This is enough. This is. I think we've gone enough." Right. And then something happens by either Nikki or I think in this case from Sai and uh, and Emmett that kind of keeps them kind of going back and forth to keep that war kind of happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So. And of course, I like when Emmett finds out about this, his reaction, 
I love Emmett's reactions because he seems more than more than angry, more even than hurt. He just seems so flummoxed by everything his brother does. Yeah. Yeah. Like his reaction to this doesn't seem like it necessarily escalated too far beyond what it was last uh, not last week but the week before last when he found the tampon in his drawer right yeah but this even seems like even more of a bridge too far for him he literally says what is like the the used uh, feminine products in a man's desk drawer that's one thing but like you know the, this is like you think you know a guy mm-hmm. I just yeah. think I think it's funny that that's where the line is for Emmett right yeah I also since you brought it up uh, I am curious to see and we've talked a little bit about uh, what was her name the the new cop Winnie Winnie, Lopez. Winnie. is so is menstruation a new theme of this I know this you show? put her in there our second yeah. our second in three episodes yep. where there was a heavy focus on menstruation in at least one scene yes yeah I'm curious about why that is if that's going to be kind of a nod towards. I don't know, just being a woman in general is what's being talked about? Or Strong if, women get their periods, Mr. Dave Child. That's what I'm... <sighs> I know this. <laughs> this is something I know uh, and support. And I think everyone should get period. I would get it if I could. If you this were strong enough. Thank you. Thank you. All right. It's a big day. I have a, we have a big, a big day. day for equality. Uh, big big wins. women audience of this. I'm just curious to see where they're going with this and if it's going to keep coming back. If, uh, or if it means anything. Reason. Or if we're just going to get every couple of episodes a real big nod to menstruation. Right. True. It could be not. Did you also have a moment when, she, when Winnie appeared, did you think for maybe a second it could be Molly? I thought for a second uh, we might get a cameo from okay, either, yeah. either Molly or... Or in a world where I, they're throwing in like Billy Bob Thornton's voice. And I know like, you're right. right. There was a part of me that's like, does, is Marge Gunderson still out there? Well, I think that would be like, that would be a deep cut. And I don't would that. I guess it would work because it's the '90s, right? That it happened, so the age would still be fine. And she could still, uh, in theory, Mar- uh, Marge Gunderson could still be a police officer, right? You know what yeah. I mean? But she's probably not getting her menstruation anymore. Probably yeah, not. So no. I, I kind of didn't think it was going to be her, we, right? But I thought maybe it could be Molly. Could it be could Molly. be Molly. Yeah. And that we were going to maybe see Molly and have a brief discussion with Molly. But when it was this new character, I thought uh, this is great. And also, I'm also glad that. Something big that happened in previous episode, the the car hitting several other cars wasn't just passed over. And it wasn't just something that mm-hmm. was like, that was a crazy thing that happened in a parking lot. It actually, it becomes a police matter right. that comes back and yeah. bites him in the butt. And, and he's a grandfather. He's supposed to be good. Sigh. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He's supposed to know and, oh, oh, oh going to come back to bite him in the butt. Yeah, I think it's really that that scene where, especially to jump ahead a little bit. Sure. I know we're kind of skipping around a little in this episode, but when the scene where the cop is waiting in the in the waiting area in the office mm-hmm. and just knowing and having those those two guys, Yuri and what's his name? Nemo. 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 He's <laughs> both of them just like sitting and staring at them and just knowing that the presence of a cop itself is not what they want right. at all. Yeah. And that felt like that that felt so tense. And also had this wonderful it felt like that scene reminded me of William H. Macy in the movie. Yes. And there's all these like there's a lot of William H. Macy's in this episode, I realized, because it was that scene and also 
later when uh, earlier when Gloria is talking to Ray for the first time. That also felt like the same sort of mm-hmm. I'm listen. Am I talking to myself? Sort of stuff. Which absolutely. I think, yeah. Yes, I says. But. So yeah. So so to go back a little bit because we we were talking about Gloria and Winnie meeting in this bathroom. They're both right. there at the parole office, and they were both there to talk to Ray. But before we even get there, we have another scene with Shea Wiggum, which was another, like, real real uncomfortable, like, why does this guy in a position of authority have to be such a misogynist jerk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, jeez. Like, talking yeah. to her about about the his his men uh, in Iraq yes. being killed and coming home, and, and basically saying the, the explicit uh, uh, meaning to what he's saying, as I read it, was, do what I say or you're gonna meet a very sticky end right yeah that her reaction was she can't she can't say dude what the shit are you talking about but her reaction was what is respectfully what does that have to to do yeah what yeah yeah and he's just trying to be like you're just trying to stir stuff up isn't that the job of a cop right is to keep working on something until it's actually done and if you have some leads and it just yeah it felt very misogynistic well he also threatened her he said well they went home in a bag the guy, he's yeah. like, the guys I've seen die, the ones who tried to shake him up. And his last line before she's like, well, I'm going to spend a few days, he's like, they went home in a bag. And I'm like, dude, really? Dude, yeah. And I'm, I was still so proud of Gloria. Well, she's like, well, I'm going to spend a few more days on it. And, and she just, just got the F out of there. And right. I was like, yeah, girl. Yeah. Sheriff Moe. And I found myself thinking, I wonder if this streak of defiance is something that's new for her. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe in becoming like ex-chief and being frustrated with always being invisible that she's yeah. fed up and finally and not maybe thinking about it consciously right but no no just es- yeah especially under the circumstances right everything that's now happening around her in addition to all of these uh, these contradictions that we were talking about last week mm-hmm. i feel like that's got to drive somebody even if you're not actively aware of it towards decisive action if not outright defiance in certain cases yeah right so to see her just go alright dude now I'm just gonna yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna do this for a couple more days it's gonna be fine and continue to follow it I like it and I'm wondering is how new for her as a person is this but when she gets to the parole office too we get this moment where she passes Nikki coming out yeah and they don't they don't know each other mm-hmm. at this point Nikki just sees a police officer and they pass we get that slow motion they look at each other like right and you hear the music of the cat as the cat is passing mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that was a great moment mm-hmm. and then of course uh Gloria talks to Ray and is really struck when she sees his nameplate because it's by the end of this episode it's it's Several coincidences too right. many, and mm-hmm. I think this is the first. This is the first straw that starts to break the camel's back because it's the moment where she goes, "I don't know what's happening here, yeah, but I know something's happening here." Right, right. Especially since there's too many stussies. Way too many stussies. Too many stussies. Way too many. And she also says, "Just because the perp's dead doesn't mean the investigation stops." Which for everybody else, it does mean that. Yeah. There, but she's the she. Her, probably her and Winnie are going to be the only ones, right? Just yeah. because this one thing stopped, it's not a big deal. Doesn't mean that the investigation should stop. Right. And Sheriff Mo just wants to get kind of get it just wrapped up. Yes. He just wants it done. And in that scene too with Gloria, I actually thought for the first half of the scene or so, Ray was actually doing a pretty decent job at not seeming incredibly guilty. I agree. Yeah. But then it seems like he got a little too wigged out. That moment where he stood up and basically tried to shoo her out of his office. Yeah. I was like, no, nah, you were doing so well, dude. Now you're, you're like starting to tip your hand a little too hard and stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, never shoehorn people out of the office. I Especially feel like that's something that's something Ray and Cy both do. 
that they're just like, well, okay, I'm going to tell you one thing, but now I want yeah. you to go. Just leave my office as soon as possible. I don't know what else to tell you. If you ever do anything wrong, listeners, just talk to the cops for as long never as possible. Never get up. Just no. don't never leave. Look them straight in the, the eye. eye. And just right at the end, then just going for a little kiss. kiss. Just a little, <laughs> a little kiss and a hug. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, audience. And then now uh, Ray is Ray is getting ready to leave the parole office, presumably to go see Nikki and be like, yeah, hey, yeah. A, a police officer just came, was asking questions about Maurice. Maybe we should, like, I don't know, do something about that. That's probably not good for us. Hey. Yeah. And his boss calls him into the office. And, of course, as we, as we have discussed all season long thus far, Ray does not cover his tracks particularly well. Yeah. And if if dating a parolee is a clear violation of your your contract written or otherwise, maybe not the best to be flaunting it in public settings where photos can be taken right. and then mm-hmm. sent to your employers. Yeah, right. and this was something that Sai, I think, specifically threatened uh, when they were in the diner. Um, so he's just making good on his threat. He kind of knew this was kind of coming. Or Ray was just not going to do anything at all. So it was, it was nice to see that come to fruition. I also love size, kind of <laughs> trying to be a badass. It was a, the point? The, the point. sustained the point, point. Yeah. The point, and then getting into his car. And <laughs> he then did it like twice, again. like three times. Yeah. And then driving. All he needed to do was stay in his car. Yep. He the the problem was. Getting out of his car. He wanted in the first to. Place. I feel like he wanted to be out there to gloat. Yeah, because yeah. he wanted to have both this, where he's just standing yeah. and looking badass, but he also wanted to drive away pointing, and he should have just stayed in his car, and just like pointed at the. Pointed and peeled off. Yeah, and then yeah. reveal of the him putting the. Uh, and I like he wanted to car. gloat, and then he wanted it all to be incredible, leading up to this reveal of the car with all of the wheel locks yeah. with the on boots. it. It's like a grandpa. A grandpa would be like, "I should get out first, right, so that right. I can like look cool." Yeah, they don't know. He's very grandpa-y and yeah. just how, especially how he takes care of Emmett. It is, uh, well, we'll talk about that in a bit, but it was strange to see, consider him in the Peter and the Wolf scenario because the grandpa is usually trying to watch out for Peter, mm-hmm. who is Gloria in this sense. So right. that's that's the one one of the few ways where it's a, the, a little, the match doesn't quite match does it, up. Yeah. Then, and then two, in the scene where Ray is talking to his bosses, another moment that made me feel like, I guess we're not supposed to like Ray all that much, but right. it made yeah. me feel so truly bad for him. When he realizes he could just, he could walk away with a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. But he is, he truly is in love with Nikki. Yeah. And he yeah. truly, it just never occurs to him for a second that it may not be quite as mutual as he thinks it is. Yeah. Right. And he gives up, essentially gives up everything so that she can walk away scot-free out of this particular situation and you know you won't go back to jail and he won't you know he can he can go and they can get married and they can live their life together we should also talk about how the the sexism and the misogyny that's in that scene too yes well that's that's where we get that poontang line fry some bacon on that yeah so it's just like it yeah it feels like they are there is a point to this. There is a point to like all of the misogyny and the way that the the female police officers are able to be invisible and thus more powerful. 
Yeah. But it also, like, she's definitely hoodwinking and bamboozling. Now, at this point, I'm like, oh, Nikki is definitely doing both those things. They warned right. him and said it out loud. And I'm like, yeah, she's she's definitely. Yeah, Drew uh, Novak in the chat asked, that, is Nikki in love with him, though? And that's the right. big question that we're I not changed my sure. mind. Well, Where remember, because right in, in the first couple episodes, I was like, yeah, I think she does truly love him. And right yeah. now, I'm like... She cares, but I agree. She's she's doing the hoodwinking and bamboozling, right. and that's and once somebody better comes along, she's gonna be like peace. She just needs to get what she needs to like live her life comfortably, so mm-hmm. she doesn't have to like con her whole entire life. Even though I right. think she finds it enjoyable, and I feel like if that can include Ray, exa- great. she'll take it. And if it doesn't, doesn't see you later. Exactly, and right. that's I I'm the same way. I keep going back and forth. Not even every episode, every scene that yeah. she's in. I'm just like, what is your game? Yeah, here, what's your girl? I don't know. But then we I I'm very curious as to Ray's headspace at the end of this episode because they were planning on meeting with I guess is gonna be their competitive bridge sponsor. Yeah, yes. there's sponsors in the competitive bridge. I circuit. knew nothing about the world of competitive bridge and I feel like now that I know a little bit, I know even less than I did. Right. I was surprised I wanted that to be Brian Michael Murray. Or is that his name? Brian Doyle Murray. The Brian guy, Doyle Murray? Yeah. The the Murray brother who plays the um, mayor of Punxsutawney in, in Groundhog Day <laughs> and also in Scrooge plays Bill's Murray's dad in the flashbacks. I almost thought that was going to be him and then from the back it looked like him but then it turned to the front and I was like, no, not a Murray brother. Nah. <laughs> no. But this this is this thing that they were talking about being being their their dream. However yeah. new a dream it was, this was what, what it was dream. all. What a dream. What a dream. You got to shoot for something, right? Yeah. But he chooses not to be at that meeting. He chooses to go and sit with the box from his desk that he cleared out and mm-hmm. drink by himself. Right. And Joe Johnson in the chat reminded us that he's a plumber guy. He's like, I think he just owns a bunch of plumbing stuff. Right. Yes. I think they, they set that up. But yeah. And uh, that this was another, this was the moment where I was like, oh, Ray keeps saying all we need is the 10000 All we need is like a little bit of money to kind of help us. Now we have... We have money to kind of get us into the, the to the competition anyways. But because of what's happening with Psy, that's going to make it so it's not good enough. The, the fight's going to still be going on. Right. Which probably brings us to Varga. Which brings us to Varga. Yeah. He's... Vargas? Does that say Varga? VM Varga. VM, yeah, Varga. Yeah. Okay. Um, the way... Varga is interesting because one of the things that someone in Reddit pointed out Varg in Sweden means wolf so Varga is actually kind of a in Swedish means wolf so it is kind of that which is funny considering what we also know this actor from in depth is Harry Potter where Where he he plays plays Lupin. Lupin Who's a werewolf? Spoilers and, for Harry Potter three through the rest of them. Yeah, you should have watched those <laughs> by now. But who's a werewolf? And also uh, Lupin come from lupus, which is which is also means wolf. So he's constantly playing a wolf in these in these shows. We find out a few things about him in this episode. You know, I'm gonna take my back. I really like this episode. There is a lot of character building. I think I read an AV review that kind of spoiled it for me. I see. I think that kind of tends to happen with bad reviews. But this was great. How he, how he kept, uh, how he was bulimic. I think we found out why he has such bad teeth. Yes. And we also find out what's in the the truck that's being stored Mm -hmm. 
in that one parking lot is Varga himself. It's <laughs> basically not any his... slack slaves. There no, are no like slaves. His little home slash office slash scary yeah. den place. Where he does all the internet stuff, has a nice picture of Stalin hanging up. Yeah. It's so, if, F, it's a, if his FSB is what Yuri called the FSB, which is like a computer interface that carries data, data back and forth. And like, when, so when they cut into that trailer, it was like all of those and we also, computers in the back. And we also, that same scene, we yeah. got some discussion of uh, young Vladimir yeah, uh, Putin. Putin, yeah. Which is timely, yikes. Um, yeah, jeez. Uh-huh. But uh, with t- that too, combined with the, when Varga shows up at Emmett's uh, and they talk about how Varga is going to essentially insert himself as a full partner in this business. Mm-hmm. I got I got your $25 million line of credit as an extension. Right. Um, goes on this long diatribe about essentially class struggles. Mm-hmm. And that coming in the same episode, some of the, and that we're living in an age of refugees and all of right. the, the same episode as we get this little, this little Putin conversation. It's like, yeah. And what's it's like, it's like being on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. And what's also important about that Putin conversation uh, with Yuri was uh, Yuri was talking about how there is um, untruth. The truth is what he says it is. And that plays into the very first episode and what keeps reoccurring of people being mistaken for other people, saying what the truth is, what being controlling the narrative yes. seems to play into the same theme. It goes back to also this inescapable reality that Varga was talking about, right? And we were talking about that in terms of uh, all of the contradictions that exist in so many of these characters' lives. And then uh, Yuri was talking about, there, right, there's uh, God's truth, and there's man's, man's truth, truth yeah. and then there's untruth. Right. Which he said is the weapon the leader uses. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh yeah. And you so true. feel like you can yeah. draw a pretty clear line from the concept of that untruth that he's referring to to Varga's inescapable reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right, I did. I don't know if you guys had this moment watching the episode, but did I had I had a moment where I wanted to give me and the rest of us a little, little pat on the back for calling this. Varga's got such a strong grip on Emmett because of technology, and it yeah. became not implicit but explicit in this episode. Varga was literally tapping his phones and hacking into his emails. Very mm-hmm. true. And we talked about last episode we've been talking about it i think a couple of weeks now gloria's lack of a relationship with technology i think is going to become quite useful Useful. to her in the future yeah yeah but but he also talked about in varga's uh discussion with emmett about how the point what he's trying to get is to become so rich he's invisible Mm -hmm. which is interesting to bring up that that's also varga's superpower is that he is invisible and is not seen and he He's all about control, which is, I think, where the bulimia comes in, too. Because yeah. he wants to be able to control himself and what he takes in and what he what he purges. is That's kind of wanting to feel that sense of control. And he also lives, he lives in a truck. He doesn't, he's not buying himself nice things. He talks about his $200 suit and uh, his handed down tie. Right, and yeah. he flies coach, not because he can't afford first class, but because no. he's not dumb, as yeah. he puts it, essentially. Right, but what type of life does he have? That seems like the saddest life. And it just means, what is he? what does he feed off of? What is his bliss in life and it's just to control people right and I, yeah. I had this moment too I had this the same thought process of what is what is Varga's end game here is he working for himself is he working for a bigger shadowy conglomerate that we've seen hinted at in a couple seasons of Fargo past yeah what is he doing this for and then I remember well this is a show where every year we get 
a character with wildly nebulous motivations who seems to be doing bad things for the sake of doing them and seeing how people react. Yeah. Right. And also a sense of uh, superiority and machismo. Absolutely. This also plays a big part in it, too. I think, I think actually a reoccurring villain in the Fargo universe is actually toxic masculinity. Yes. I think it keeps, I think it keeps coming back. And, and the back. male ego, absolutely. Yes, yeah. totally. Because it makes these, these men who are, some of them are successful, some of them are less so, it makes their own ego, their own sense of bravado, of invulnerability, is what ultimately leads to their downfall every single time. Right. Mm-hmm. I have to assume it's going to play out similarly for at least a few of these characters. Yeah, should we... Any other comments we want to make before we get into predictions? No, I, th- I was just going to say that he said, like, number one is the building of wealth, and number two is to use the wealth to become invisible. Right. And I'm like, we already know Gloria is invisible. So I, there's the combo of that, of him being on the same level as Gloria. They're, they're perfect foils And we're for talking about Wolf and Peter, that it's like, okay, cool. So that's, yeah. yeah. And, also, and also in the way that Varga is doing everything, we think, for himself, and has absolutely no family, while Gloria is doing everything for mm-hmm. her son. Yes. You get a sense of that. So a couple yeah. last points I do want to hit from the episode before we move into prediction territory. That The scene between Varga and Emmett ends on a note that if, if you do like Ray a whole bunch, I, I think would be a little concerning. Yeah. Asks point blank if Ray is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Emmett says no, calls him a loser, but basically... I feel like he's hedging a little bit. He's like, no, but he's probably will probably try to be a problem, but he's not. He's still he's my brother, and he's not gonna he's not gonna be an issue. We've seen how Varga deals with problems. Right. That probably isn't great news for Ray if Ray and Nikki keep getting involved in Emmett's business, and then the focus turns to Nikki. And if Ray is a loser, what does that make her? And Emmett assumes she must also be a loser, or she couldn't possibly see anything in my brother. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think Varga's a little smarter than that. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's a swango. She swangles. Swangles. I like it. She she's swings back and forth. Sw- Swango's going to swang. She she swangs the right way. Swang when it comes around, swangle. she she knows. And then the very last scene of this episode is Winnie Lopez coming to Gloria's house as she's yeah. getting ready to go to bed. And the two of them talk. And Winnie tells Gloria about the very strange day that she's had and the very strange, which should have been a very simple, uh, open and shut vehicular issue seems seems to be a little more than that and they start putting these dots in front of Gloria and Gloria still doesn't know how all of the dots connect but now it's like uh, the, the powder keg is lit right she knows she knows she doesn't know how but she knows the Stussies are connected to the murder of her stepfather yeah and it seems like now she's got direction yeah, mm-hmm. and also she's got a partner in this now, which I think in the Fargo universe especially always helps propel the actual solving of the crime once people start to team up together. Yes. Yeah. So. And the very last thing I want to talk about before we move into predictions is the title of this episode, yeah. which mm. we didn't talk about right. yet. Right, we almost forgot. So this episode is called The Narrow Escape Problem. and Is there a bridge term for this? I there Okay, so there might be... Okay. I am not as we've as we've discussed. I am not uh, well traveled in the world of bridge because the only thing I could find on Wikipedia. Same thing. I went to Wikipedia as well. The first and last place you need to go for That's any it. all the facts That's you will you ever need. need in life. This is how much of an experts we are on this panel is. We go to Wikipedia, <laughs> and I gotta say this is the most confusing Wikipedia article I think I've seen on it. Uh, it's it's because it's a lot of science talk. It's this this was a Wikipedia article written by scientists 
not for non-scientists. Um, the narrow escape problem is a, is a ubiquitous problem in biology, biophysics, and cellular biology. The formulation uh, is the following. A Brownian particle, ion, molecule, or protein is confined to a bounded domain, compartment of a cell by a reflectory, blah, 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 <laughs> and it has a very small window through which it can escape. That's the only thing I read that I was like, which, I know what that means. Right, which I can see the simple, the simple, really simple layman version, as I understand it, okay. not, not being a biophysicist, is it's essentially referring to th- this, this particle is boxed in. This particle is completely boxed in, completely trapped, except for a very small window through which it can escape. And yeah. the narrow escape problem refers to calculating the mean escape time. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, trying to find, like, the perfect time to get out of a problem. Exactly. Might like, be, a problem where you're completely, like it seems, Like a traditional one. Yeah. Right. So how does this pertain to this specific episode? Well, I feel like... All, Half the characters on this show are, are trying are to be- trying to get out of that problem. If if not increasingly becoming that particle that's boxed in, mm-hmm. right? I mean, both both of the Stussy brothers alone, the walls, whether they're aware of it moment to moment, on both Ray and Emmett, seem to yeah. be closing in little by little. And I think you can maybe make an argument that Gloria um, finds finds her escape because she is able to kind of finally put the pieces together. And now she kind of knows what's happening, and she, and she knows, is right, able right. to find that She's small, sees where the window is, very small window, and and leave. I mean, for us viewing it, we can see the picture of everyone versus like everyone yeah. in the story has literally a narrow escape problem that they are they have one traditional problem that they're trying to yeah. either run away from or you know fix or whatever. But we see all sides of the story. But if you just look from each character's perspective, it's like yeah, I think each one has. Right. A problem that we are already seeing it, but for them, it hasn't come to fruition yet. But it seems like it's about to. It's about to. It's going to blow like, up. Right? That powder keg yeah. is going to go kaboom. Yeah. How's yeah. that going to happen? I have some thoughts. I bet you guys do too. Let's move into predictions. <laughs> predictions. Huh. So. I guess I guess we really off right off the top in this section should discuss the plot in brief of Peter and the Wolf. Peter and Wolf, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in Peter and the Wolf, one of the things that happens is there's Peter leaving the house. The grandfather's like, "Hey, be careful! There could be a wolf that comes out." Peter lets out uh, a duck, and there's also a bird that flies around. The duck is in the in the pond the birds flying around what ends up happening there's also a cat there's also a cat what ends up to skip ahead because the cat is trying to get anyways i'll skip the cat (laughs) what ends up happening is the wolf comes out and ends up eating the duck yes the wolf eats the duck now remember this is why we held this discussion till predictions in our story the wolf is varga and the duck is ray the duck is ray and in order to get the wolf, Peter uses the bird, which is Emmett, in this conversation, to drag out, to lure the wolf out in order to choke it and tie it up and then take it to the zoo. But right before it goes to the zoo, um, the hunters show up and we're like, hey, we'll shoot him. And the Peter says, nah. We're going to take him to the zoo. The hunters, by the way, in our story, Yuri and Is Mira. Yuri, which is an interesting choice because they feel like there might be they might be nefarious when you bring up the hunters' like uh, guns, but they're against the wolf as much as everyone else is, if not more. They really want to kill the wolf, 
But in the end, the Peter saves the wolf from being killed by the hunters. So, is this predicting that one Ray is going to be killed by uh, Varga, mm-hmm. or and somehow Varga is going to kill Ray, which he's already threatening to do? So it feels like it's on the horizon. Two is uh, will that turn Emmett to try and finally get go against Varga? And team up with Gloria in order to drag Varga out. Let me let me double down on that. Here's, okay. here's what I was thinking. If if we're gonna follow the Peter and the Wolf pattern, right? Mm-hmm. In a se- season where so far all season long we've been dealing with mistaken identity, right? We use uh, okay somehow somehow we quote unquote use Ray as a distraction. If Varga intends to kill Emmett and ends up killing Ray. Which I would I would imagine, even though Emmett sees his brother as a loser, yeah. that would set him on a path towards maybe collaborating with Peter, the the bird and Peter, right? I'm losing right. my metaphor. The bird and Peter, then to go entrap the wolf. Also in the story, doesn't the wolf swallow the duck because it gets so scared? Like it like it goes to eat it, but then doesn't it like Yeah, it survives it to, because it, it's it, a kid's story, so they don't right. want to say it ate the duck. Right, okay. So the duck is still alive, but just swallowed by the wolf. Right, and, and it's in its belly. It's in yes. its belly. Okay. So yeah, the, the, duck gets, the duck gets eaten. Worth noting, though, that in the Peter and the Wolf story, the cat, who's Nikki, gets away. Gets away, yeah. yeah. Gets away, and so is I'm also... She swangles, like I said, swanging. y'all. Yeah, coast to coast, swanging. Also, the cat, in the beginning, is trying to go after the bird and the duck. But then when the wolf comes, then she beats, hits Peace. the trail. And I also think what might end up happening is um, Gloria will get Varga if we follow the Peter and Wolf thing. And um, that will cause Yuri to try and kill Varga in order to save his own skin. But then she has to save Varga, much like in the second season where um, the police were trying to save... Uh, God, I forget their name now. But uh, Kristen Dunst and... Um, and uh, Jesse Plemons. Yeah, Jesse Plemons from from the uh, where they have that standoff in the police station. It could be a lot like that where the, she has to then save Varga from, from Yuri, Yuri Namimo, who's yeah. approaching. So that might be if this is all foreshadowing, then this is that's kind of where we're headed. Um, a lot of people on the chat think Sai is gonna is gonna face Yuri's bullwhip though. Now, is it a bullwhip? I've also been told it's a blackjack. Or it's a because it's not a straight whip like we were talking about last time. We refer right. to it as a whip, but it's kind of like it's too thick for a whip. Right. And I'm curious. I'd, I'd really like to know exactly what it is. Oh, Ed and Peggy, by the way. Sorry for yes, forgetting the Blumquist. Yeah, the Blumquist from last season. So um, because right now Sai is is kind of in the crosshairs because he's been talking to a cop. He seems like he's a problem. I think Ray is maybe more in the crosshairs. Crosshairs than than. But Psy if, is. if Varga's whole deal is about being invisible, even though Sai is maybe not a direct threat yeah. to Varga, Sai still attached. Sai behaving erratically and smashing up that parking lot yeah. brought the police to the office True. where mm-hmm. Varga and his men frequently are. And right. I can imagine if you're VM Varga, you don't need that business. No, right. the second when he left that office, they were telling VM Varga, "This is what's up. Sai is causing issues." And the yeah. embargo has no problem taking care of it. Like, I, I mean, I don't see it going that far that quickly, like in the next episode. But I'm just saying eventually Psy is 
I think, going to be a bigger problem. Because Winnie's not going to let it go. Now that she's on with Gloria, are you kidding? And Gloria's invisible, so she has a power over VM. Yeah. It's, it's the struggle is going to be real. And I also feel like everything we've done, even episode three, which was a bit of a narrative departure, everything we've done so far this season, from the inciting incident forward, feels to me somewhat inevitable in a way that I certainly don't dislike. That's not a criticism, but mm-hmm. I feel like we're due for a hard left pretty soon. Yeah. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I, I also think that while Gloria's invisible, I keep forgetting her name because she's a new character. Winnie. Winnie. Winnie is maybe not so she's invisible. Not. No. She's loud, she's and not. I doubt she's, and she can use electronics <laughs> and sensors sense her. That it might actually, she might not be long for this world if Var- if she ends up just googling VM Varga. Yeah, you know, possibly. I mean, Gloria and I mean it, Winnie in this world can be seen while Gloria cannot. Right. So it's like either it makes them a great duo, or it's really going to f things up for Gloria. Yeah. And I haven't decided yet because I love them together, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna play with that. It makes me frightened for everybody. Right? It makes <laughs> just me, just straight yeah. up frightened for everybody. But, but then again, Gloria does deal with uh, Donnie Mashman, who has not been in the episode. I don't think this episode at all. But her partner, who doesn't know anything from like his left and right, he just doesn't know anything. But now, uh, but now Winnie's involved it, in it's a way true. that D- Donnie's Donnie was yeah. not. I agree. So, all right, we're, we're getting to the point where we should wrap, but wanted mm. to get any final thoughts from you guys before we do about this week's episode. Well, Drew Novak brings up a good point that Emmett, Emmett is starting to drink Varga's Kool-Aid, so Cy is starting to look like an obstacle because of that. Mm-hmm. So that's another good point for predictions. Um, I'm excited for next week. It looks like uh, we're going to – a sex tape will be made from the little um, from the little next week on. That we're doing with Ray once again disguising himself as Emmett. <laughs> uh, and I think that looks super fun. And I think that's going to uh, play more into also the, the, the technology side of this. Because sex tapes and the internet. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see where more, they go with Just this. more Ewan McGregor doppelganger sex tape. Yeah. yeah. Let, we need to start a prog rock band. And it's going to be called Ewan McGregor doppelganger <laughs> sex tape. Oh, God. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. We're going to be famous. Yep. We're going we're gonna to do it. And we're going to come back next week. And we're going to announce our world tour about Woo! Ewan McGregor doppelganger sex tape starring Mr. Dave Child. Until <laughs> we come back sure. next week. I'll be disguised as Ewan McGregor, yeah. who's disguised as an op- as a. Anyway, I'll be yeah, there. You're the dancer. I feel like you're clearly the front. Yeah, I'll be in it. If but, there's a sex tape, I'm in it. But until we return next week, my wonderful fellow panelist, where can people find you guys on the internet? You can find me at Mr. Dave Child on the internet, and also DaveChild.com. My name is Dave Child. Hey guys, find me on YouTube, Tara Erickson, or find me on Twitter at the Tara Erickson. Yeah. And I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. Thank you guys, as always, for joining us. Stay tuned for the rest of the season. We're going to be right here breaking down every episode of Fargo. I'm excited. You're probably excited, right? You got to be. How could you not be excited? We'll see you next week, and we'll be excited together. We love you. Woo! From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. You World Tour. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 